Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there, Duke fans. It is episode 540 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. 540, that's like Virginia or something like that, isn't it? I'm a roundup, though. We're the roundup. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Did I just do that? I've been really Don't good worry about, about it. it. Keep it in. Who cares? I've been really good about it for a while now. Outtake. <laughs> <laughs> episode 540 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. I am Jason Evans, hosting today. I am joined, I'm delighted to report that I am joined not only by Donald Wine, but also Sam Klein. Sam, how's it going guys? for you, my friend? Who, who, who are you people? <laughs> did you see that? Did you see that Duke game, uh, the football game this weekend? My goodness. Yeah, should we, uh, Sam, do you want to give us some uh, football comments before we launch into the other stuff? Notre Dame I, comments? Uh, you know, I, I was going to give the the standard like man what a you know what a great thing for Duke football to be on this stage and then I read uh, you know to to plug one of our friends here I read Jim Sumner's article about it afterwards from his newsletter that I paid mm-hmm. for because I think that he's one of the best Duke writers you know out there and he said uh, that everybody in the Duke program was feeling extremely upset about the whole thing. And that they feel like they're not taking moral victories anymore, and so now I've kind of changed my tune. So Jim has has changed my has changed my attitude about the thing, which is to be angry about the fact that Duke had an opportunity here 
not just because it was on national television, because, you know, the, the, the TV opportunities will come, right? If, if the team plays well, you get more opportunities to play in prime time, uh, especially when you're playing big time programs like Notre Dame. But the Duke had a real opportunity to win this game. Obviously, they uh, were, you know, they were winning with two minutes left and chose to take what I think was a, you know, kind of conservative approach with the with the pooch punt instead of instead of trying to go for it on fourth down. You can go back and forth about whether that was a good idea. It's not like Notre Dame's offense was playing all that well leading up to that point. But but the outcome being, we certainly feel disappointed that that Duke had a big opportunity here. Uh, you know, to to stay insanely in the competition for the college football playoff, um, and and especially that it seems like I, I don't know if you guys had talked about this right after the game. But it sounds like Riley Leonard is, is going to be out for a few weeks with the high ankle mm-hmm. sprain. We did. So so there's, you know, I, I think there's a there's a world where where, where Duke had, still has a good chance of beating NC State after the bye week with with the time to install Henry Bellin and and you know the, the sort of different way that he approaches the offense as opposed to Riley Leonard. I think the odds that Duke was going to be competitive with Florida State in a world where Riley Leonard's not in the game are pretty limited. Uh, and so it does sound like we don't know this for sure yet because we're still a couple weeks out from that game. But it does sound like Riley Leonard is going to miss that game, which is going to be a huge missed opportunity for Duke. Hopefully he's back by the time Duke plays Carolina in a few weeks, which is the other you know big time opponent left on the schedule. We don't know what the Duke offense is really going to look like. In- you're, you're, you're discounting Louisville. You're discounting an undefeated Louisville team. Okay, fine. But the, <laughs> well, I'm talking about I'm talking about the I'm talking about the ranked teams that Duke has on their schedule. I'm talking about Louisville the is that, now ranked. Oh, okay, great. So <laughs> so all that to say, I, I was pretty disappointed uh, that the Duke wasn't able to to pull out that win. I, I thought that they, you know, for for a big chunk of the game, Duke looked like the better team against Notre Dame, which is crazy. Uh, and then the only other thing to add, I, I didn't see this because I turned the game off uh, before the final whistle. But uh, I saw the the clips afterwards of Sam Hartman going to to speak to Riley Leonard after he came out of the injury tent, and I really wanted to commend him for that. I know that he's gotten a lot of praise for that, you know, for his for his gritty performance in the game and and you know putting the team on his back, but also the way that he the way that he acknowledged Riley Leonard afterwards, I thought was pretty cool. So so uh, yeah. Anyway, Sam, that was that was great stuff, Sam. Almost all of which we covered on the last podcast. See, well, I I haven't listened to it yet. <laughs> I was no. going to say real Whatever. quick. What do, you, what, what, what do you want me to do? Come up with unique thoughts here? Yeah. Real quick before <laughs> before we move on to the basketball that we're here for today. Um, Sam, you mentioned that Jim Sumner had mentioned the team was disappointed and upset that they didn't pull off the victory and that there's no moral victories in that locker room. I'm here to tell you, I actually agree with that. I'm actually glad that they feel upset that they didn't get the win because it's going to motivate them, you know, going down the road. I Personally, we'll take the moral victory because I think, again, everyone this week has been talking about how impressive we were against Notre Dame. And if that means that we're going to have a lot more people on our on our side, a lot more people in Durham going to games, that's going to be great. I just meant, you know, we mentioned the primetime games. The NC State game was scheduled for an 8 p.m. game next weekend. So we're, we're, we're right back yeah, but on, on the ACC, ACC, on ACC network. network. But that means that means the ACC network is like, hey, we need to highlight. They usually use that to highlight one of their best teams in the conference. Hey, hi, here we are. So I think we're, we've arrived in the sense that people are wanting to get more of us at times where the most people are watching college football. Did you guys blame uh, Coach Corso for 
for not picking Duke at the end of game day because that was that was the most disappointing thing for me. Is well, that, I mean, we talked we talked about how ridiculous he looked in that in that leprechaun outfit and how well, he he's worn it a few times. So, so, yeah, this is not uh, this is not the first time that Coach Corso's dressed up like a leprechaun. It would have been the first time that he wore the Duke hat though, because because game day has obviously never been to Duke, and I don't even think game day's ever covered a Duke game. So uh would have been his only opportunity to put that to put that hat on as as he says um and there will be I, I'm, I'm ready to predict it right now there will be more well so i i don't know if i've gotten to talk about this on the show it's one of the thoughts that i've had recently and all the time that i've missed uh not being here but about how one of the fascinating things to me about the whole realignment discussion is about clemson's good timing on becoming a powerhouse program and you mentioned how, this before yeah yeah, yeah. And and I saw, I, I think it was Brendan Marks. I, I've, I've seen some coverage this week that's like, oh, what is the, what does Duke's recent football success mean for its potential in realignment? It is so funny to me how like short-sighted some of these power brokers can be in college football. Because let's be let's be very realistic here. If if the end state for college football is that there is a conference of like forty teams that are competing for the "Quote unquote national championship." Duke is not one of them. Duke does not belong with 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 those programs because historically, Duke doesn't have television ratings. Duke doesn't certainly doesn't have the attendance. Right? I mean, they they filled up Wallace Way Stadium yeah. this weekend. But let's be let's be totally realistic here. Duke is not one of the top forty programs in college football. Clemson was not one of those programs either until until the recent enough past that like it's the time in which I've been watching college football and I've only been really watching college football like since I went to college which I, I'm I'm old but I ain't that old so uh man good fortune for Clemson and and the one thing I think I I may have mentioned this after that Clemson game if the if the result of Duke beating Clemson is is like if some part of that is Clemson not getting invited to the SEC next year or not getting invited to the Big 10 I will I will consider that a great victory for Duke because uh, <laughs> I, I don't want I don't want those those goofballs from Clemson uh, to feel like they've got one up on us. And yes, I, I would love to be in the world where, you know, Duke still, you know, despite this this loss to Notre Dame, Duke still proceeds to like win 10 games this year and wins, you know, eight or nine or 10 games for each of the next couple of years and manages to slip into the big 10 as a result of this, as the ACC crumbles around it. And, and Mike Elko decides that he's going to stay here and not go coach at Michigan state or, or whatever the best big 10 job is. That's going to be open next year. I would love for that to be the case. I don't live in like a total fantasy world. I know that some of this might, might fall apart on us. Uh, I'm not rooting for that to be clear. I am just honest about it. So Anyway, is that is that all the thoughts that I that I need to share about football? I'm, I'm very yeah. excited about how good the defense is. Other than other than letting uh, letting Hartman get that you know get, get the fourth down conversion there at the end of the game, uh, there's a lot to be excited about with this team. And despite this loss, and despite the fact that Duke has to go with a backup quarterback for at least the next few weeks, one that backup quarterback has gotten actually a fair amount of playing time in the first few games of this season. So so he's not you know totally. Uh, it's 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 not totally insane for him to be on the field. He knows what he's doing, and and hopefully Duke can keep a little bit of that momentum up. And even if Duke isn't winning the conference, uh, they can at least still be competitive and at least still get a good bowl game. And and you know sights sights still high, even if they're not quite as high as they were last week. All right, excellent stuff, Sam. We're going to take that first ten minutes 
and put it in last week's <laughs> the episode we did a few days ago. <laughs> It'll be perfect content alongside all that other stuff. Uh, no, no. So the, the, dead on target. You you were saying many of the same things that that all of us were saying. I, I do like that you highlighted Jim Sumner pointing out that the t- the team doesn't take moral victories, and that's I think that's an important part of Mike Elko's mindset with this team. We heard it before the game. He was like, "I don't want to hear about." people being excited about college game day. I want them to be excited about the result of the game. So he's already on that train. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. We should all be on that same train that he, he has clearly demonstrated that he's capable of, of making this Duke team competitive with anyone in the nation. All right, period. Turn the page. End of story. We're moving on to something else because just in the past 48 hours or so, Duke men basketball, YouTube, Every place else dropped a video it's, uh, about eight and a half, nine minutes long or so. And it is of the recent scrimmage that the, that the team had um, with, with official referees. Although we never, we never get to stop it for play. We never, we never see the referees blow their wrong whistle. Cut. It's the wrong cut. Hashtag it's not, or, or air quotes, raw air quotes, uncut. Yeah. It may be raw. It is not uncut. There, there are plenty of edits. <laughs> in this video. It, it feels, it feels more uh, medium rare. Perhaps. Yeah. Yes, I would agree with That's that. That's how you like your steak. Yeah. But but let's let's get into this video. It is the guys going five on five. Uh, not, not, don't see a lot of defense. I noticed there were, I think there were like maybe three shots that get missed in this whole video. Clearly, if guys were clanging balls off the rim, they edited that out. Look, Duke men's basketball does this all the time. And we just have to get used to figuring things out from the good plays and not seeing any of the bad ones. But the team does look really, really good in this video. <laughs> this video that starts off with Kyle Filipowski hitting a, a smooth three-pointer from the corner. Mm, very, very nice. Uh, Donald, Sam just gave us a whole bunch of football stuff, so I'm going to go to you first. I want to know just, you know, don't give me every note you have on this. I've got like three pages. <laughs> give me give me like your first couple notes, the biggest things that you'd want to take away from what you saw in this video. So the first thing is, Flips back. He looks good. Shooting threes, yamming on people. He had that one-handed yam. Uh, I think it was over TJ Power. And there was someone else who got caught in the uh caught in the uh in the the shrapnel of, of the uh aftermath. But yeah, he looks really good. And the fact that he, you know, was sidelined for most of the spring and, and summer uh with his hip surgeries, he, he looks he looks great, he looks in shape. I know he's probably not back to one hundred percent, but he he looks really good, and I think the other you know there's obviously a lot of things we talk about. I want to talk really quickly about something that you guys might not talk about. That's TJ Power, Jason. You kind of like all summer have been like, "Yo, we see all these highlight videos, and TJ Power's not any of them." And I've always just said that's fine because I don't need him to be a highlight player if he he's going to be a player that's going to be good. And we saw some some TJ power in this. And we saw him hitting threes. We saw we him again in down low. We saw him, you know, you know, doing a lot of stuff. And it's funny. There's been a lot of chatter about who that fifth, uh, that fifth starting person is going to be. TJ power's name is into that conversation in recent weeks. And it is a similar trajectory to what we saw from Kyle Filipowski last year. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not saying that is a that great point is, as a great he point is Kyle Filipowski. But remember, Kyle Filipowski, we're like, oh, yeah, he's not going to start. He's not showing up in these workouts or at least these videos, these wrong cuts that we we love to talk about. And then all of a sudden, he emerged in the scene in September, October, and they're like, Kyle Filipowski's probably going to start. And we're like, wait, really? 
Sounds cool. I mean, look look forward to seeing that. And we saw what happened, right? TJ Power apparently is on a similar trajectory. And if that's true, don't cut him out to be that fifth starter when we line up against Dartmouth, uh, you know, in the first part of November. I am going to be really interested to see how this fall comes because overall, when you look at this video, the one thing that has been the constant this summer is that the competition for all these for all this playing time will be fierce. There's a lot of guys out here that I'm looking at, at least through through these, you know, these wrong cuts that we've we've been getting, these splices. We're getting a lot of guys who we think can compete for playing time. And the question is going to be who is going to get the bulk of these minutes. We have a couple of people we think there that will get the bulk of those minutes, but everybody showed flash of brilliance in this. Kyle Filipowski being healthy and and showing that in these videos to me means more than basically anything we could see in these videos. The way that that Duke puts these out, we you know we joke about it, right? Like Duke's not gonna not gonna show a lot of missed shots unless they're blocked. Um, you know they're they're not gonna see uh, non crisp passes unless they're getting stolen, right? If, if it's not a highlight, it's not worth showing on these videos. There are there are a bunch of knowns and unknowns. I like to think about it this way: that all the freshmen. You know, most of the freshmen come in as as five stars. They come in highly regarded. You know, we we know that they're on slightly different development trajectories, but we don't really know. To Donald's point, we don't really know how good they are until the games start. Maybe TJ Power is is going to be the the fifth starter. I was just reading Brendan Marks's mailbag from this week, and he's saying that it sounds like Jared McCain's going to be the fifth starter. Uh, well, we but he, talking, he sort of implies it's between those two guys, between McCain and and, and, and we Power. were talking this summer about Sean Stewart. It sounds like maybe he's not he's not quite there yet, at least on offense. So all of this stuff is kind of even even for for a guy like Brendan Marks, who is able to talk to guys in the pro- program a lot. He's not in the coach's room. No, no, none of us really know who's actually going to get that spot, except maybe John Shire and his assistants. What we do know is that when healthy, Kyle Filipowski is a double-double. Uh, he was a double-double, almost a double-double last year as a freshman. Uh, you know, he he had a few more ups and downs in conference play, but we expect that sophomore Kyle Filipowski is basically an automatic double-double, unless he's not healthy. And we know at the end of the season that he was hurt. He had his his surgery. To me, the biggest takeaway is Kyle Filipowski looks, if he's not fully back, he's very close to back. He's His athleticism is there. If he's able to, to make those dunks, he's able to, to take those threes and have them look smooth, that is the biggest takeaway for me. And it makes me extremely excited that we've got him back for this season. Because if he averaged, I think it was like 15 and nearly 10 rebounds last year, you figure both of those numbers go up. This year, I think the rest of the country caught on to how good he was pretty quickly. So it's not like, you know, star players at Duke don't fly under the radar for very often, you know, for very long. So he'll have the he'll have the spotlight on him this year, but he had the spotlight on him, honestly, most of last year. And he he managed to figure that out. Him being healthy. And by the way, Jeremy Roach also looking healthy. Jeremy Roach very much in the mix here. Those two guys looking healthy is more important to me than any of the freshman highlights. And I know we'll we'll talk about TJ Power. We'll talk about Jared McCain. We'll talk about Caleb Foster. All, all these guys had had standout moments. That's my big takeaway. Donald, you mentioned TJ Power, and maybe he's the the other guy that we can um sort of circle up on here when we're when we're going through some of the highlights. TJ Power definitely looks like he belongs on a on an ACC basketball team right now. And I think that, uh, to your point, the way that we were talking about him this summer was, you know, oh, maybe he gets a little lost in the shuffle this year. Uh, I, I, I think 
some of that conversation might be cooling a little bit. It does feel like we we don't have a sense yet of of exactly how big this team is going to be. Because you can see a world where TJ Power and Sean Stewart, you know, demand minutes and that Kyle Filipowski obviously has to play a lot of minutes. Mark Mitchell obviously has to play a lot of minutes. Ryan Young didn't come back to school just to get his MBA at, at Fuqua. He, he came back to, you know, to, to play some minutes for this team and and be a captain and, and, and all those things. So all of those guys are competing in the front court. There's also a world where McCain and Foster and and Proctor all demand 30 minutes a game. I think that the the minutes conversation, the minutes conversation is always interesting, but this year, especially if TJ Power is really coming on, it's going to be a real challenge for John Shire to sort of identify the the identity of this team given all the options that he seems to have. All right. So my turn to take on the uh the, the twin topics of Kyle Filipowski and TJ Power. And and they they go hand in hand, I think because we saw a lot of them guarding each other and stuff like that. I completely agree with both you guys about Kyle Filipowski looking uh, 100%. And we didn't expect him to be, I don't think, 100% quite at this point. Uh, I, I love the outside shooting touch he showed. I mentioned that video starts with him hitting a three from the corner. He hits another three about a minute later. I think he hit a third one a little bit further on into the video, but just looks so smooth taking it. Uh, and 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 I, I'm with you guys that, uh, I, I like what I saw from TJ Power. What I saw from TJ Power that I thought was interesting was his teammates knew where he was on the perimeter and were readily feeding him for three-pointers. That's what we primarily saw from him on offense, was being available with a quick release on those three-pointers. I think Caleb Foster fed him one time. I want to say it was Jeremy Roach that fed him another time. Um, and, and, I, and, and Power looked incredibly comfortable doing those things. And again, that's something we just haven't seen earlier in the videos and the, such, and the reports that we've gotten. Uh, and it is an indication that maybe TJ Power has a significant role on this team. Although it's worth noting, Mark Mitchell was a little bit hurt, a little bit banged up. And so Mitchell didn't play at all. And I think, you know, TJ Power and Mark Mitchell are very similar players in terms of position on the floor. And it may be that we saw more power than we would have had Mark Mitchell been available. I want to get back to one other flip and power thing because this sort of speaks to Donald. You mentioned the notion of, of practice and how deep our bench is. There was, there were a couple moments. There was specifically, I saw one moment where Kyle Filipowski demolished poor TJ power uh, uh, on a drive. It, it, Kyle gives him like a, a pump fake goes between his legs with a dribble, puts out a spin move and gets in the lane and hits a little floater and poor TJ power having to guard that. We had just seen Kyle hit a couple threes. And then a couple minutes later, he does this like ridiculous array of moves to get a little short jumper. And then a couple minutes later, they feed flip on the perimeter. And I think TJ is ready for all these different moves and stuff. You know, they, you know, TJ's like, oh, he's going to put me in the spin wash again. No, no, no. Kyle just does a straight power drive right to the bucket and just yams all over the entire, the entire defense. Um, and my point with this is, one, Kyle Filipowski is a problem. <laughs> if you are a defense, Kyle Filipowski is a problem. He's a big problem. But number two, my goodness, the practices that we're going to have. Games are going to seem easy for these guys when you look at the quality of the players they're going to face in practice. TJ Power is going to get into an ACC game against a starting ACC power forward or small forward. He's going to be like, this guy ain't half of what Mark Mitchell and Kyle Filipowski are. This is a piece of cake. 
Uh, I, I truly think uh, we're going to get into more of the combos of players, but this is the moment I'm going to say it. Duke's bench is a top 25 team. That's how good this team is. Jason, I think, and this is going to kind of lead into the guards who we haven't really talked about yet. And I know we're going to get to them. You know, when it comes to TJ Power, maybe the reason for some of these guys getting super good and that we've seen in these videos is because we have four guys come back that have that experience, right? We have one guy and, you know, two guys who are going to challenge for lots of awards this year. And I, I think that always helps when you have, when you're going up against the best player, one of the best players in college basketball every day in practice, you are going to get better by default. You are not going to be as good as them, but you are going to learn from them in the, in the aftermath. And I think no place where that creates more uh, competition is in our guards, right? And if you take a look at how they played, right? I thought Jerry McCain, his his shot, his his shooting form is so smooth. Every time he puts his hands in the air with the basketball and he shoots it, you're just like, you're just like, that's oh, going in. That's that's and if it doesn't, it looks so beautiful, it should go in. Like that was great. I thought Caleb Foster showed a lot. He can shoot from outside, he can drive to the lane, he can create you know, some, some points out of nothing. There was a couple of times where like, the ball was loose and he was kind of pick, you know, to scrap and pick it up and, and figure out a way to get it off the glass and in. And then you have Proctor Roach, you know, who of course are going to be two of our leaders on the floor and they look like leaders on the floor. I think that's the good thing is, and, and we're not expecting them to be the best leaders they can be at the end of the season today. But here I can see, you know, that foundation of one, why they were named captains. And I think it was, uh, you know, no question, especially for Jeremy Roach, but also you're learning, they're learning on the fly. Like how do they command leadership and how do they distribute that leadership while in play? And you saw a couple of times where there might've been something not necessarily terrible that happened, but like, Hey, a play where someone should have been in a different position. And Jeremy Roach was kind of very quickly like, Hey, you got to be over here. Hey, you got to move this way or Hey, shift down uh, and you'll be open. Those quick little things that'll help not just, reinforce things but also give those guys confidence that hey next time i'm gonna I'm beat this guy to this block and jeremy roach is going to find me Ty- tyrese proctor is going to find me or they're going to that's going to open up a lane for someone else to make make a basket i think those little things were all good and Jaden shoot you know I, I don't we didn't see a ton of Jaden shooting this compared to some of the other guys but what we saw was great because he's you know making jumpers and i think again i'm not necessarily worried about him his ability to make three pointers the question for him is he's going to earn time on the floor by how he plays defense. And last year he looked a little lost on the floor when it came to his defensive uh, uh, parts of the, of his game. And hopefully that's improved. And I think this video is not a great way to show that you've improved on the defensive end. Yeah. So I'll say really quick, let me go through the guards as well. Uh, I, I thought Jaden shoot. There were a couple of times I saw him doing a good job of moving his feet, staying in a defensive position. He does look, more prepared to play defense than he did last year. And 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 as we mentioned before, he looks bigger than he did last year. The, the, the guard who impressed me the most probably relative to where I thought he would be uh, was Caleb Foster. I think it's worth noting that that Tyrese Proctor was playing guard for one, was playing point guard for one team, and Caleb Foster was the point guard for the other team. And and Roach was on then, you know, in an off-guard position, and so was Jared McCain. I don't think that's in and of itself a big surprise. But it is significant to me that it, it feels at least a little bit like Foster is going to be Proctor's backup. I thought Foster was incredibly, incredibly solid 
and physical, taking the ball to the hole. There was one point in the video where he completely overpowered Tyrese Proctor for a layup on one play. Foster also had a couple threes. Other than Kyle Filipowski, I think Caleb Foster was the second leading scorer in this video, which, again, a big deal. And I thought he looked outstanding. Jared McCain just has so much in his bag. Jared McCain, you know, look, it's an edited video. We never saw Jared McCain miss, but the way he shoots, I'm not sure he did miss any shots because he just looks so smooth on everything he does. And then the last one I wanted to mention is uh, Tyrese Proctor to me showed a little less than I thought he would. I I don't know. Maybe they edited some stuff out. Uh, Maybe Tyrese wasn't pushing that much. I didn't see a lot of him creating stuff for his teammates as much as I, I would hope we would see from him. He did at one point hit about a 28 foot three pointer, like a really long three pointer. And then like on almost the very next play, he hits one of those step back threes. I, I when we were talking about Tyrese Proctor last season at this time of year, last year, I talked about how much I'd seen him in some of his work with the Australian national team, taking step back jumpers, step back three pointers that are impossible to guard. No chance you can guard that shot. And I never really saw him unveil that very much at Duke last year. So I love the fact that we saw it in this video because I think that is a tremendously lethal shot that he's going to be able to make. Absolutely unstoppable. And Donald, like you mentioned, um, Jaden shoot a- after looking like a stud in some of the earlier videos, this was a comeback down to earth kind of video for him. He did hit a couple threes, but it, he wasn't as involved as we'd seen in some of the other stuff. Sam, give me your take on the guards really quick. We're going to end up talking about Caleb Foster and Jaron McCain, not interchangeably because they they clearly are different players, but given that they're both, you know, incoming freshmen who both of whom are going to be competing for minutes, both of whom I, I think, Jason, I'm, I'm hearing what you're talking about in terms of exactly how you define their positions. But I'd, I'd like to think that John Shire looks at this team between Proctor, Roach, Foster and McCain as being largely interchangeable, like any any pair of those guys could be on the floor at once, if not three or even all four of them. We're going to end up talking about McCain and Foster a a lot in tandem this year. One of the reasons that both are going to make a big impact is that they both look physically ready to, to meet the challenge of, of playing at a high level this year. McCain is, McCain is like, is huge for a, for a kid who's whatever he's six, two, six, three. Um, he is, he is physically imposing. And you mentioned that, that Foster made some of the best moves to the rim. Both of them seem like they're going to be ready to play on defense. So I think the thing that I'm, that I'm happiest about here is that both Roach and Proctor have the, you know, have, have an immense amount of talent, but also, uh, are both capable of hero ball. Uh, you, you talked about how Proctor didn't do a lot of passing in this video. I'd like to chalk that up to like, we only get a select view of what's going on here, but Shire made a point of appointing Proctor as a captain, uh, which he certainly didn't have to do, right? You'd, you'd think that between their years in the program and in college basketball that Jeremy Roach and Ryan Young between them could probably handle being being the two captains, but Shire made a point of of giving an extra captaincy to Tyrese Proctor. I'd like to think that means that, that Shire thinks that Proctor has, you know, what it takes to be a good floor general either as the primary ball handler or, or next to Roach although given what we saw last season I think you have to figure that Proctor has the ball in his hands at least to start the season but great that for both of those guys there are you know two rock solid uh I don't know if you want to call them backups but that Jared McCain and Caleb Foster are there 
to lighten the load a little bit for both of those players. It'll be a real test this year of of how much John Shire wants to lean back on the Coach K method of, you know, taking your best players and riding them for 30 to 35 minutes a game. If if Coach K was coaching this roster, we would say, oh, isn't it a shame that Duke won't use the bench enough this year <laughs> because all four of the returning guys are all going to have to play 32 minutes, which is only going to leave, do the math, uh, for for everybody else on this team. I don't know that John Shire is is committed to that. Tyrus Proctor is an NBA prospect, it, whether he plays 25 or 35 minutes a game this year. Jeremy Roach is what he is physically uh, and, and is probably not a, a high-level NBA prospect, whether he plays 25 or 35 minutes a game this year. And so I'd like to think that John Shire is going to find spaces for both of um, for both McCain and Foster to, to shine alongside his veteran returning guards. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think he probably is. By the way, you mentioned Jeremy Roach. We haven't talked about him very extensively. I, I just know I'm going to pull my hair out at Jeremy Roach's ball stopping at least a dozen times this year. I can't even count how many times in this video the ball gets to, to Jeremy Roach and it and it doesn't move for a couple of seconds. I'm like, move the ball, move the ball. But I mean, he's unbelievable at like getting inside the three point arc and finding a spot where he can get that little flitter up and he hits it at a tremendous, tremendous percentage. So I'll learn to live with it. Guys, we're going to take a quick, quick break. When we come back, a couple more big men that we haven't had a chance to talk about. We're going to get into them and also some changes to the transfer portal. That news coming up next as the Duke Basketball Roundup continues. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down and for some getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about that's what better help is all about it's entirely online and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient flexible and suited to your schedule you just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime you want so if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're back from the break. And guys, we got to continue our conversation about what we saw in this uh, eight, nine, a minute long video from Duke's practice the other day of a scrimmage. And really we're on to the Christian Reeves, Sean Stewart and Ryan Young portion of the uh, discussion. And I'm going to start with Christian Reeves because I'm going to fully admit I'm the guy who has said on multiple occasions, I just don't think there's time for him. I don't think he's going to play. And, and I've lamented that because I, I like the kid and I want everybody to have a chance. And for most of this video, for the first half or so of it, Christian Reeves doesn't show very much. And then suddenly, <laughs> he has a really nice stretch in there where he, uh, he gets a, a screen and roll dunk at one end of the end. He then blocks Sean Stewart and just like ridiculously blocks him at the other end, grabs a couple rebounds, has a really nice offensive rebounding sequence where that results in a dunk. Look, minutes are going to be so hard to come by for him. But Christian Reeves does not look like a stiff. If Duke gets in, you know, Duke gets in some foul trouble or, or God forbid, some injury trouble, Christian Reeves looks like he belongs. And and I also noted they did some jump balls. You know who never lost a tip? Christian Reeves never lost a tip. Going against Kyle Filipowski, going against Sean Stewart. Didn't matter. Christian Reeves won all those tips. He's clearly a big, big guy who actually has some pretty good mobility to him. Jason, you you remember back in the day uh, at the three point contest when Larry Bird showed up in his warm ups and he and he famously uh, told everyone else in the competition like who's getting second. That's going to be Christian Reeves at the twenty twenty four NBA draft when he walks in. Who's going to be the second pick? Because what I saw from Christian Reeves, he's the number one pick of the NBA draft next year. I'm obviously joking, but <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> like, Don, Don, we need to take away your podcast card, my friend. <laughs> that no, is a hot. Hot take. <laughs> it's a hot take. Yes. But but what I'm saying is like, again, when you look at these videos, like Christian Reeves does a lot of great things. And I think the question is going to be, again, like just like some of these other guys, where's all the playing time going to come from? And and is it going to be a mentality of, hey, you know, you could be starting one game and get 30 minutes and the next game you could be getting 10 minutes. Like we don't know, especially in the early season when we will have a couple of games. But I think the great thing is I hope that they do uh have have a situation where Christian Reeves gets some extended minutes to test out you know what he's going to be like and obviously we're going to have a few games where that's going to be possible but at the same time we we also have some big games where we're going to need everybody to be on top of their game 
and in peak physical condition because those games are going to be brutal. I'm, I'm especially in the early season thinking about we play Friday uh, on on the tenth against Arizona, and then we travel to Chicago for the Champions Classic that following Tuesday against Michigan State. Two teams that are going to be bruising and physical, and I, you know, that is going to be a game where, yeah, Christian Reed is not going to maybe start that game, but could he factor in one of those games with his defense? It, it would be great if he could, and I think that's the. The question that I have as we progress throughout the preseason is for some of these guys, you know, and you're not just talking about Christian Reeves, but, you know, Sean Stewart versus TJ Power. It's, you know, the the Caleb Foster, Jeremy Kane, like how many minutes these guys are going to get are going to be, uh, you know, kind of determined by how they practice and how they improve and how they show in these things. And also you have Countdown to Craziness, which is kind of a glitz and glamour thing. You're not going to take much from that from a situation of who's starting. But that preseason game that we're going to have, that's going to be a big test on who's ready for stepping out in the court in that Duke uniform against another team. And you can count on them to produce. I, this is great for Christian Reeves. He looked great in the in the second half of the video, especially. But I do think it's going to be him being more consistent, doing this every single day as he does that. Then the confidence will grow in the coaching staff that, yeah, I can throw Christian Reeves on the floor and we're going to be just fine. If Christian Reeves isn't getting minutes by the time ACC play starts. Uh, some SEC schools are going to be doing some tampering around him. That's my that's my prediction. <laughs> All right? Uh, you're not supposed to... You're they, not supposed to they, make call they call yeah, that yeah, Cruton. They call that Cruton. ABC, always be Cruton. They're going to come Cruton uh, around Christian Reeves. That's my that's my prediction. I, I don't know. To, to Donald's point, I don't know if there are minutes for him. Uh, it, it, it's the... It's the embarrassment of riches, I think, that that John Shire has amassed this year with everybody, you know, with basically every player coming back from last year, minus, you know, Derek Lively and Dariq Whitehead. Uh, that squeezes Christian Reeves' opportunities here. And, and it, you know, it's unfortunate. It, he could look this good in practice, and he could show flashes of it in games and still average seven minutes a game because he's playing behind. Dude, that may, it may not even be seven. Might not even it's, be seven. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for all these dudes, but there's only 200 minutes a game. But Hey, as, as we've seen in the past, you may not have minutes until you have minutes, right? When you get that opportunity, if you take advantage of it and you, and you make the most of it, you're going to get more minutes. Case in point, Justin Robinson for three and a half years was Christian Reeves. And then all of a sudden yeah, he exactly. was the greatest player in college right. basketball. I, I, I think Christian Reeves, I think Christian Reeves was a, was a was more of a prospect uh than right. than Justin Robinson was. Oh but, no question about it. Yeah. But he didn't have the he didn't have the NBA Hall of Famer pedigree that Justin Robinson had. So you know six of one, half dozen of the other. Uh they're probably in in roughly the the same position here. Hey Sam, you, you got anything on the other uh Sean Stewart and Ryan Young, the other big men. They're sort of the other uh, significant players we haven't mentioned that much. I not not as much. Uh, I I like seeing uh, how aggressive Ryan Young is. He's the he, of of this group of of these big men that we've been talking about. He's the one where I feel the most sure about exactly what he's going to be doing on this team, which is exactly what he did last year on this yeah, team. Yeah, high, highest floor, lowest ceiling. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, I, I think we're I think we're excited about about that and and to get more. You know, he's honestly is he's he's got the starring role on the on the brotherhood podcast, which is, which is great for his, uh, for his future. And, and, you know, we got to talk to him a little bit about that. So, uh, no, not, not as much, not as much on those guys. I, 
you know, we're we're now at the time of year where I know that the, the scrimmage videos are coming out, but just just get us to to countdown because there's only there's a, like we we run ourselves around in circles until until we see these guys actually on the court in front of not just referees but a running clock and fans and and the whole thing. Let's let let let's just get to it. I think the only thing I'll say about Ryan Young is that in you know last year there were times where he took over. Uh, at least in the paint, like going to the paint, going hard. We, I mean, we talked about how he had at least one game at maybe two where he uh, either led or co-led in points, but also he's an elite passer. And we saw that in this video, he's able to find guys on the, on the fly and, and find guys in corners behind their head, kind of like a, you know, Nikola Jokic, like kind of, you know, not necessarily like throwing the ball around his head, but he can see the floor no matter where he is on the floor. And I think that's a great quality to have, especially someone coming off the bench who, again, if, if one of our guys gets into foul trouble, we have no reservations about giving the ball or putting Ryan Young in court and saying, hey, lead this team because we know he's going to do it. Yeah, I want to get to Sean Stewart just really quick. Uh, again, he's one of the guys that we didn't see quite as much of in this video. I did notice there were a couple times he unveiled like a little half book in the lane that was a little more skilled. Uh, Sean Stewart has his reputation it's a quick release got... one too, Jason. It's not like a yeah. full hook. It's like it's like he's going for it, but like the ball is released like a third of the way into the hook. So yeah, he well, it's like a, the hook, it's like a the ball's already like a in the jump. air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, look, we talked about the fact that he set the record for vertical for standing vertical lead, beating Zion Williamson. You saw the athleticism from him on several of these plays, but the thing that the the thing that the hook showed me that excited me was he's not just a raw athlete. He's someone who has some real skills to his game. And and I, I like what we saw. You know, I, again, I'm just it, – it's so hard to project, as, as Sam was saying, without seeing truly uncut footage. It's hard to project what these guys are doing in the plays that are edited out. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I If you'd asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would have said Sean Stewart was going to play more than TJ Power. You asked me today, I'm probably going the other way on it. Um, but, look, I, you know, a big part of all this is – how much is Kyle Filipowski playing the five? How much do we have other guys playing the five? Are those other guys Sean Stewart? Are they Christian Reeves? Are they Ryan Young? Are they all three of them? It's it's just, it's hard to project. It's fun to project, though, because, man, like I said earlier, that bench is deep at Duke. And keep in mind, you know, again, we've talked about some of the injuries that some of our big guys had from last season that kind of they were recovering from the summer, which means that, you know, as much as we see Cal Filipowski at 100%, he may not be 100% as far as the fitness that he could be in at this particular point, if he had been healthy throughout the spring and summer. So maybe this is an opportunity for some of these younger players to carve out some minutes in the early season while, you know, Cal Filipowski is getting up to full speed. Jeremy Roach is getting up to full speed or, or even just resting. Cause I know that, you know, having a toe injury, the of the likes that he has is one that it, it, it doesn't always heal fully, you know, very quickly. And so you're just kind of like always managing it, load management, big, big word in the NBA. And also uh, maybe here for the first early part of the season. Yeah. When it comes time to Arizona, Michigan state, you know, Arkansas. Yeah. These guys will be ready to go. But if we're playing in, you know, Dartmouth or you know, Southern Indiana, maybe it's the time for the, you know, for the freshmen to get their feet wet and maybe have a little bit more minutes and carry more of the load so that they don't have to. So that's what these guys are preparing for. This is the competition that we're going to have. There's going to be any given point where somebody's going to enter the game that we're like, Oh, okay. That's pretty early, but let's go. If they're ready for that, that moment and they take advantage of it, 
more minutes will come. Guys, I want to move us on to one more topic before we're done. Just today, in the past few hours, the NCAA Council or something like that, one of these governing bodies that handles all NCAA sports, announced a change in the transfer portal policy. The transfer portal that used to be open for 60 days will now only be open for 45. Uh, I don't think that this is a huge look. By the way, in terms of Duke, we had we had no guys transfer out last year. I'm not sure that's going to last forever. It was fun to happen. Uh, and, we, and we've had, you know, not that many guys transfer in, at least relative compared to other schools. But I, I do want to very briefly discuss, Donald, I'll go to you first, the fact that this transfer portal window is getting a little bit shorter. What's the impact of that? I think, it, it, first of all, for basketball, and, and Jason, you mentioned the, the 60 days is reduced to 45. That is a total number of days across the year. And, te- and sports can split it up however they want. For example, in football, there's a window of tr- uh, where the transfer portal is open right after they announce all the college football playoff assignments uh, for all the bowl games until the bowl season starts. And then they have one after spring practice for about 15 days where guys can enter this transfer portal. For basketball, it's mainly after the season. If you recall, there used to be a bunch of guys who transferred mid-season so that they'd be eligible f- to play the following year. That doesn't happen with regards to the transfer portal, but basketball could choose to do that if they if they want it. What this does in the meantime is that it sh- it makes it where we'll know quicker who's entering the transfer portal and who's staying and who we can get. That transfer portal, you know, carousel is going to cease, you know, a few days early, fifteen, you know, a couple weeks early, which really helps basketball teams prepare for the upcoming season. It also may affect like guys who are entering the draft and all this stuff where they can come back to school. That is going to be the, I guess, the domino effect of this. But yeah, it's not a huge deal, but shortening the window by two weeks means we may see that carousel move a little bit quicker in regards to some of these players who are kind of, you know, dipping one foot into the NBA, dipping one foot into the portal and, you know, trying to dip a third foot on uh, their re- in their current school. That is going to end, you know, much sooner and we won't have things dragging out into like early May or late May uh, like we have been in the last couple of years. Don't mistake me for an apologist for for the people in charge. But there is something to be said for in the in the world of transfers and NIL and all this stuff, the there being some level of accountability and like limits on everyone's free flowing of, of everything. I, I I get the argument that like oh well the you know the coaches can take new jobs anytime they want why can't the players just leave anytime they want I I, I get all that um, but there's a difference when the coach is like you know a thirty or forty or fifty or sixty year old person and the player is is eighteen or nineteen and the decision making is perhaps a little bit more rash and look I'm not saying that the coaches don't don't make rash decisions or bad decisions. There are plenty of college basketball coaches, well-regarded college basketball coaches that make insanely stupid decisions, Bob Huggins. Uh, but <laughs> in, in general, I think it is, I think it is good. Um, again, I, I hate sounding paternalistic about this, but I do think it's good to, to limit this window a little bit and to force these student athletes to be somewhat introspective about, about the experience that they're having, because, you know, it, it, when when you decide to transfer schools, uh, in a way, you're you're somewhat giving up the opportunity for having a legacy at these places. And I do think it is worth everyone, you know, 
being forced to like stop and think about that a little bit. So tightening the transfer portal window, I think, is helpful for that. I think it limits the amount of time that guys can spend thinking about this sort of thing and focusing on what's in front of them rather than what might be over on the other side. I I, I don't know where, where all of this takes us. I, I don't know if in five or 10 years there are more transfers or, or fewer transfers, but I think trying to compartmentalize all this stuff is a, is a good thing for the sport. I think that the, the coaches, I'm sure, are happy about this because you know, the, the big thing that college coaches complain about is that they are recruiting new players and their own players constantly. Um, but hopefully, I think for the for the student athletes that are conscientious about all this, it'll it'll signal to them a, a good change as well. Look, there are two things, Sam, you brought this up very briefly uh, to some extent earlier when you talked about, you know, putting some limits on this stuff and having it all calm down a bit. Uh, the transfer portal is about to calm down significantly. And it's not so much because of this rule. It's because, A, all these guys who got a fifth year, we're, we're about to enter the last year where guys get a fifth year due to COVID. I know there's been some talk of extending that, maybe allowing it to be something that's permanent. If they decide to do that, that's fine. But for the moment, it appears these the, the COVID year, fifth year graduate kind of movement is going to you know dry up, if not go away almost completely in a year after uh, after the, the guys who came in in 2020 are gone from college uh, basketball and football, which is the two places you see it the most. The other thing is, and, and we haven't really discussed this this much, but uh, the NCAA has clearly indicated to players, yeah, you get one transfer, but a second transfer, it's going to take a lot for you to get eligibility right away on a second transfer. We've seen the, the situation in North Carolina and we've talked a little bit about it on here. North Carolina football is experiencing some huge pushback from the NCAA about players doing second transfers. And so one of the things that I think we're going to see with the portal is all these guys who've moved around, they got to stay put. They can't keep on moving around. It's not a situation where you can play for three or four different teams in three or four years of your career. And, and that's a good thing for the sport. So I think that's going to calm it down a little bit as well. And, and uh, look, I mean, Sam, I hear you on not wanting to sound paternalistic. On the other hand, I think managing the sport, managing rosters and, and figuring out, you know, best situations for everybody, it's probably a good thing if we try and tamp down the portal a little bit more. Guys still have freedom. Guys can still make choices. But maybe we ease a little bit of those freedoms back a tiny bit because that's frankly what the sport probably needs. Look, I mean, it's the same in in most other sports. In soccer, we have transfer windows. Guys can transfer wherever they need to, but they can only do it within those windows. And and I'll equate it to, uh, or at least at least give a give a correlation uh, for Duke people. Hey, midnight breakfast, free breakfast from from twelve to two, but at two o one, you got to pay for it, right? Like it's it's one of those things where yeah, you have the freedom to move, and and I think the whether it's one versus two is whatever. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, even coaches, right, like. They say, oh, coaches can can move whenever they want, but they don't. They usually do it, you know, when it makes sense to them to be able to build up uh, a program. And that's what this is about. So, yeah, I'm fine with them shortening it a little bit. It's again, it's not a big, big period cut, but at least it's going to be two weeks more where at least for the three of us, we'll be talking in like late April instead of late May about, hey, who is going to be staying and who's going to be going from Duke University. 
Right. And that's the uh, hopefully not from Duke University, hopefully coming to Duke, but not leaving hopefully coming to Duke. Yeah. We'll take all the exactly. grad transfers you want. Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us here on episode five, four, zero of the Duke basketball roundup. He's Donald. He's Sam. I'm Jason. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget. We want to hear from all of you. D B R podcast at gmail.com. That is the email address. Send us those emails. For Donald, for Sam, and Jason. And here's the Duke band. They are the best, aren't they? Play us out and take us home.